Most of us know the joy of December 25th. What if we could have that same joy on December 26th or August 11th? Welcome to Right Start with Jim Custer, teaching pastor of Grace Polaris Church in Columbus, Ohio. If you know Christ only as the baby in the manger, your Jesus is too small. If you know him as the teacher, the healer, the savior, the risen son of God, well, he's even bigger than that. And knowing him as he is will fill us with glad confidence. Here's Jim to open the message, The People of God Are Joyful and Hopeful. Our topic this morning is the people of God. For those of you who are visiting with us, we've been studying what you should expect to find when you come to worship with us. What should you expect to find the people of God doing? And today we continue that theme. The people of God are a people who are joyful and hopeful. Joyful and hopeful. And the foundation for this joy and hope is found here in Colossians chapter 1. I'm going to begin reading at verse 24. Read very quickly through the first several verses until I come to those two verses that set forth the secret of the Christian's joy and expectation. Colossians chapter 1, verse 24. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh that which is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God. The stewardship from God which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. A few moments, we'll tear that apart a bit. You'll note it has to do with a mystery. It has to do with hope. It has to do with glory. Because those things are ours as believers, we therefore have great joy. With the angels, Father, we shout glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men in whom God is well pleased. We have come to understand that a Savior is born for us, the one in Bethlehem. We know that this presents good tidings, good news of great joy, which shall be to all people. Thank you this morning for our delight in knowing the truth about the manger and the one who lies there, where he came from and what he came to do. Thank you that we have both the knowledge of these things and we also have the experience, the inner wonderful peace with God, the joy, the hope, the expectation of glory. All of these things are ours this Christmas season. 
And I pray that you would help us to see how very blessed we are. Give us patience with those who look at the same scenes and see only a, a manger, a mother, a babe. Help us not to be irritated or upset with them. Help us to understand why the lies and traditions and myths and fables abound at this season of the year, that, that there is an adversary out there who is busy taking every opportunity given to him to distract people from who is that lying in that manger and why would he come to be my savior and how does that bring me joy refresh us and revive us in our commitment to you and to each other. Enable us to respond joyfully and liberally to the opportunities to be ambassadors of truth and love to a world lost in confusion and lies. We give now to you because we love you Multiply the gifts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, this time of the year, uh, many pastors will spend this hour railing and ranting about the terrible worldliness that's all around us, the materialism, the secularism, the unbelief, the doubt, all of the, all of the pressure that uh, pastors feel from the rivalries, that's uh, Rudolph and uh, Frosty the Snowman and a jolly old St. Nicholas and on and on and on the list goes of, of things that are full of attention in our culture today. The frantic pace at which we live, the exorbitant amounts of money that we spend, the tremendous hours that go into decorations of our home. All of these things are marks and signs of, of a generation of people that have lost any concept of the meaning of Christmas. Well, remember that Christmas on the 25th of December, Christmas is actually the, it's actually borrowing a date from very, very ancient pagan rituals. And what the Christians did was they, they took this time of the year, and while there is, there is some possible evidence that Jesus was indeed uh, born in the time of the year that we call December, while there is some evidence, and you can make a case for that, the, the truth is that early Christians sought to capture pagan rituals, reinterpret them, and give them symbolic meaning of Christian truth. So, to be very fair and very honest, the pagans were there before we were. Uh, this season of the year, when the days start getting longer, that is, the daytime starts getting longer, and the, the long nights begin to melt and we anticipate eventually spring. This was a time of 
of great, great celebration in pagan religions and is yet today. When you hear Silent Night and O Come All Ye Faithful as elevator music in the local mall, <laughs> don't get angry. You see, most people look at the manger and they see a baby, they see a mother, a daddy, and that's all they see. That's all they see. And there's a reason for that. You see, for you and me to see more than that and to understand something larger than that is taking place in Bethlehem requires a miracle that most folks have not yet experienced. It's a miracle. In this passage in Colossians chapter 1, it's called a mystery. A mystery. A mystery is not a riddle that seeks to be solved. That's our English use of that term. But a mystery in the first century times was a secret that was shared by a group of people during a time of initiation. There were secret societies and secret clubs. We have them still today in our culture. You can't be a member of such and such a club until you go through a process of initiation. And in that initiation, they will tell you the secrets. And so you and everybody else who's a member of that club, that secret society, now share something in common that the rest of us don't have or don't know. And because of that shared secret, you then have a relationship with these other members of the club that I don't have. There are tons of those kinds of clubs and societies all around us. It's a club or an association or a relationship based upon a secret. A secret that you can't figure out unaided. You gotta be initiated. You have to go through a process of learning because the secret is usually concerning some knowledge or truth that your senses and your logic can't figure out. That's why it's called a mystery. Getting pretty deep, isn't it? Well, the Apostle Paul told the Colossians that the secret of their relationship with each other as believers and the source of their joy and the foundation of their hope was all wrapped up in a mystery. A mystery that he would reveal to them or explain to them. The mystery, the mystery answers the question, who 
is that baby in a manger? Now, the angels knew, but the shepherds didn't have a clue. The scholars in Jerusalem knew when the Magi came, but Herod didn't have a clue. Mary knew, but the innkeeper didn't have a clue. Simeon and Anna up at the temple knew, but the high priest didn't have a clue. Who is Jesus? That's the essence of this mystery. And listen, until God opens the heart and mind of the individual, you'll never get it. Never get it. And until you get it, until you see it, until this mystery becomes your own experience, Christmas will be a lovely time of the year with gifts, family traditions, Time off from school and lots and lots of ways to spend money and time and energy. But on December 26th, your world will crash. And your expectations will dissolve. And your temporary exuberance and joy will melt. But those who know the mystery... Those who have come to understand and experience the truth of the mystery, their joy will go on 365 days a year, regardless of what circumstances come. Because their joy is not based upon happenstance or events. Their joy is based in the mystery. Who came, what he did, and why that matters. Paul spends the whole first chapter of this book of Colossians laying out the mystery. Who is this one who became a babe in Bethlehem or who made his appearance as a babe in Bethlehem? Who is this one? Well, look at verse 15. Colossians chapter 1. Who is this one we call Jesus? He is the image of the invisible God. The image of the invisible God. You cannot see God or discover God through science or logic or philosophy. Can't get there that way. God is invisible. He eludes escapes our efforts to trap him, analyze him, put him in a test tube and shake him up and describe properties about him. But the one who was born in Bethlehem is the image, the image of the invisible God. That is, he is the tangible expression of that God who is invisible and beyond us. I have a coin here, and on it, a picture. I think 
It's President Kennedy. Now, that's not President Kennedy. In fact, that's not even his picture. That's an artist's rendering of his picture, okay? But what it is is an image. It reminds me that there was such a person. It reminds me that he served us as president for a while. And the more I know about that man, the more that my memory brings back to me when I look at this image. I cannot see President Kennedy today. He's not around. He's invisible. But I have an image of his likeness. Jesus Christ is the invisible God in human form. You can never see God apart from Jesus. The verse goes on to say a second thing about the one who was born in the manger. He is not only the physical manifestation of God in human flesh, but we read he is the firstborn over all creation. And the verse goes on to say in verse 16, all things were created by him, things visible and invisible. He's the one who stands outside creation and is supreme above creation and through whose work everything that is came into being. Now, you and I can't imagine, you can't imagine a universe of nothing. You can't imagine no sun, no moon, no stars, no galaxies. You can't imagine no mountains, no trees. You can't imagine that. You don't have the capacity to imagine that. You, you strain because because that's foreign to our experience. It's, it's outside the domain of our minds. We can't imagine that. You can't imagine a being so powerful, so great, that he envisioned all of that and then spoke it into existence. When God gives us the only record we have that's reliable of how he did it, he says, God said, let there be, and boom, there was. Do I believe in a six-day, literal six-day creation? No. I believe in something that took place far less time than six days. God spoke, and boom, that was it. It had all been figured out in God's mind. It all had been prototype before in his thinking and when God spoke it happened it didn't take 24 hours it boom just like that I see most of us don't have that idea of God and so our appreciation and worship of the one lying in the manger is shrunk not because of his nature but because of our ignorance this is the creator lying in a manger. The one who formed it all, now in human form. Look at verse 17. He is before th all things, and in him all things consist. That is, he's the one who right now holds it all together. <laughs> you go on and read the rest of these things. They describe a person of supernatural being. 
a person who has a direct connect to you. You are something he made, created. And your whole world is dependent upon him because if he ceases being what he is, your worlds go fly apart. He is the unifying force of all reality, the source of all truth and all life. Well, why did he come? Well, you read that in verse 19 or verse 20. By him, let's read verse 19. It pleased the Father that in him all fullness should dwell. That is, there's nothing that God is that he isn't. Everything that it means to be God in the fullest expression of those terms resides in the one who became a babe. It pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell and by him to reconcile all things to himself. Reconcile all things to himself. How did he do that? Having made peace through the blood of his cross. See, you've got to have Calvary. You've got to have the crucifixion. The manger without the cross will not make sense. He came through the manger to go to the cross. That was his supreme work when he was here the first time. And reconciliation means that in his death, God was able to so deal with sin that he could give peace to the sinner and have a relationship with the sinner. That at the cross, through the blood shed by Jesus at the cross, God is now at peace with his own law, with his own nature. And he can welcome sinners, rebels. Well, look how we're described there. You see it in verse 21? You who once were alienated and enemies in your minds by wicked works. God is able to reach across that chasm. Expend his judgment upon his son in his death and reach through that son to you and to me who deserve to die and give us his life instead of his death. It's incredible. That's why he came. He came to reconcile. I love that phrase that hails Jesus as the image of the invisible God. John called him the Logos, the Word, the expression of God, the wisdom, the plan, the reason. He is simply all. And the realization of that is a gift from above. You're listening to Right Start. Our series in Colossians continues with this sermon, The People of God Are Joyful and Hopeful. We'll hear part two from Jim on Monday. If you'd like to have the message on CD, we'll send it to you for a gift of $7 or more. It belongs to a collection of 17 sermons called The People of God, all yours on CD for a donation of $59 or more. If Right Start helps you in your daily walk with Christ, please consider becoming part of our family and paying that blessing forward. Each gift and each prayer is important. If you're a partner, thank you for your help. And if not, thank you for considering it. Please mail us at Right Start, P.O. Box 437, Worthington, Ohio, 43085 USA, or call 1-800-984-2313. That's 800-984-2313. And hit the website, rightstartradio.org, 
We've packed it with different ways you can explore Jim's teaching. You can play Right Start radio programs from the website, but if you can live without the announcer and the theme music, you can listen to complete sermons instead. And you'll find a link to iTunes in case you'd like to subscribe to the podcast. You can click to make a donation. It's easy and secure. And you can email us at rightstartradio.org. Thanks for listening. I'm Dan Pope. More Christmas in August coming up on Monday, thinking about Christ in you, the hope of glory. Have a good weekend and join us again, please, for the next Right Start. Thank you.